Hello, and welcome to the Social Impact Level Up podcast. This is Wendy V, and I am a social impact strategist and coach for socially conscious entrepreneurs. I help you turn ideas into action and to make a big impact with your business or your nonprofit. We're here to talk about policy today. I am also a policy expert, and one of my favorite activities is to dig into the question, where is the money coming from? And that is what we're talking about today. I am giving you a preview of a live that I did through this podcast. You can access the slides in the show notes, or you can find the live and the video on YouTube. I'll link both below. I want to tell you first, it's important for us to know where our money, our tax dollars are going and to access them at the local level if we need them. If it's possible for us to build partnerships, to collaborate and to make sure that that money goes to the right places. So here's my episode where I explain what's up with the federal budget. I hope you enjoy, I hope you learn, and if you have any questions, reach out. Hi, I'm Wendy Bliss and I am a coach for socially conscious entrepreneurs. I help you understand how to make an impact through your business or your nonprofit and how you can help others and you can change the world. This is my update on what is up with the federal budget. We just had the appropriations passed Congress and we know now that a lot of money is going to be coming out from the federal level. This update will tell you where that money is, what is an increase to expect new grant money and where you can look for those funds. So if it is a different federal agency than you normally would look, I give you a clue about where you can find it. This is all about making sure that you can do good work in your communities and we can make the country and the world a better place. So what is up with the federal budget? It is called Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2022, also known as House Resolution 2471. I spent about 14 years in the federal government helping nonprofits and businesses to scale and build infrastructure and to better use federal funds in the most efficient and effective ways. So House bills and appropriations and all of these policies are things that I had to analyze for years and years. And part of my federal role and understanding is how to bring these funds out to the public so that people like you can actually receive these services. So that is my specialty. That is why I'm here teaching you this today. And we're gonna learn a few basics. So first, the appropriations process. Congress and the budget, president sets the budget, Congress has the appropriations to tell you what are these funding amounts that are going to be allowed in the budget. So they have to come to an agreement of sorts. And then they send that down to the federal agency. So we'll go more into this process in just a second and the timing of it. But what I want you to understand is that the top level is the federal agencies and Congress and the president. That then comes down in a couple of different ways. There's regulation functions that the government does. That's the regulatory side. There's also this funding side. The funding side has block grants and discretionary grants. Block grants work where the states receive big pockets of money, big portions of money directly allocated from the federal government related to the population size of that state. 
discretionary grants are grants that people can apply to if they're eligible, whether it's a business, a nonprofit, a university, a state, a local government, all of those different types of entities are eligible for discretionary grants. Now that money then goes to the state and the local funding level. Now local funding, like I said, could be a local government, a city government, it could be a nonprofit, it could be a faith-based organization. There's lots of people who actually qualify for federal funding. So once the money goes down to the state and the local level, it then gets funneled out in the form of services. That's where we see things like roads being built, housing for the public, homeless services. A lot of things we'll talk about today come out to the public through these different mechanisms. And that's why it's really important for us to understand as taxpaying citizens, how this all works. So why does this take place so late is really a question because the federal fiscal year starts in September. That means from September till now, we can't give any money out. We don't know what's going on yet. We don't have a commitment from Congress that this money can actually be spent. So to the best of their abilities, the federal government in the agencies actually just keep things going. They keep the lights on, they keep the money going, and they make sure that things are still working in this country for this period. What really would be ideal is if all of this budgeting stuff that I'm about to teach you happened before the end of September when the fiscal year ends from the previous year. If that happened, then we would, from the beginning of the fiscal year, know exactly how much money we have to work with. But of course, that's not how it works. What we have instead is a process where the budget is not available for agencies to actually work with or use or give money out until about this time every year. This is uh, March 17th, it's St. Patrick's Day, I'm here wearing my green, and the budget didn't get appropriated from Congress until March 8th this year. Typically, the, the president will put his budget out in February, then Congress will do their Appropriations Act before mid-April, and then there'll be a process between the Office of Management and Budget and the federal agencies where they will then sort out exactly how much money is going to be used from the appropriation for which purposes. So this is where the appropriation gives you subtotals around all of these different things that are priorities for our country. But then the Office of Management and Budget and the federal agencies go forward and they do the actual physical allocating of the funding to the different types of priorities that we have. And that includes programs, services, research, all kinds of things that the federal government funds. That money then goes out to that level that I was talking about in the previous slide. This is where the states, the counties, and the public actually have the ability to get access to some of this federal funding. So this is where it's really, really important for us to understand this process because by the time it comes down from the federal government, we're now talking about the spring. So this is the time when discretionary grants are available. And this is why it's extremely important for those of us who are looking for discretionary funding, who want to have government funding, to know that this is our time period to look for it, which means this is our time period to go on grants.gov and to see what is actually available for us. So that is, Public could be nonprofits, it could be faith-based organizations, it could be small businesses or minority-owned businesses. So, so many places are actually eligible for federal grants and may not even know it. So you want to go to grants.gov, you want to click the type of organization that you are and see what is currently available for you. What does this mean for all of us? All of us taxpaying citizens, 
we have to really understand how this money is going to come and that it is now available because we might be expecting services to be provided, but those services might not be here for us in our communities because the money isn't here yet. But now that the money is available from the federal budget, we should definitely be expecting to have high quality services and to make sure that those services are actually getting to the people who need them and that they're meeting the needs that those people actually have. What is in the budget? This is an excellent question. The president has priorities that they set every year in their budget. And this president, President Biden, has some really cool priorities. He is interested in helping Black families with the maternal health crisis, ending racial disparities in access to care and health care, gun violence and to community violence interventions and prevention, addressing racial gaps in home ownership. There's a lot of equity in this priorities, undoing segregation that's been caused by our infrastructure in our country, affordable housing for communities of color. I also need affordable housing. Paula, President Biden. Uh, universal pre-K, which is awesome for our three and four-year-olds. Investment in high poverty schools to make sure that our education is also equitable. Two free years of community college for dreamers. Investment in college and universities that advance under represented students, teacher shortages, addressing all the issues that we have with the education system around supporting teachers, workforce development, and um, ending the digital divide. And then of course, helping minority small businesses. That is me and probably a lot of you. So this is awesome to hear that this is a priority for this administration. Key word here is equity. If you are someone who's working in the equity space, or you are someone like me who is an equity warrior, these are the types of things that we are super excited about to see in the area of housing, labor, education, justice, all of those places where we need to we need to have equitable spaces. We're seeing an investment from this administration and it's super cool. Education and children's services. So this is where we're going to go through all of the different funding streams that are available in the federal budget, but I'm telling you about the ones that are going to have an increase, because that means that likely there'll be new grants, new awards, and new money and new programming that will be coming out to the local level based on this funding. So when we are thinking about how to use our money and how to access federal money, we should be looking in these places in these types of opportunities so that we can actually start providing these services for our communities. So here's a few to pay attention to related to education. We are going to be investing in early childhood education, community and health services, special education, approaches to whole child education, violence prevention, and the holistic needs of children, youth, and families. These are grants that are either from the Administration for Children and Families or from the Department of Education. So you'll see things like Head Start, the Community Services Block Grant. Those are at the Administration for Children and Families. You also see additional money for domestic violence prevention at ACF as well. Then in the Department of Ed space, you see investments in social emotional learning and uh, special education. There's also a lot of investment in school safety. Department of Ed does some amazing work that I partnered with them for a long time on school safety and mental health. And those are really amazing portfolios. We're going to see a huge investment in that space, 95 million more dollars. So all of these pluses on the right-hand side is how much more we're going to be investing than we were in the previous, the previous budget. So our total budget for the um, Head Start program is 555 million. Community Services Block Grant is seven point or 755 million with a $10 million increase. 
special education is 4.5 billion with a $444 million increase. Social emotional learning, 82 million with a $15 million increase. School safety, national activities, 111 million total. I told you that was $95 million of more investment. And then full service community schools, which is about 75 million and there's 45 million more dollars in that space. Community oriented policing, the COPS program is a very, interesting and long running program from the Department of Justice. They're gonna see 550, 512 million. Um, the School Violence Prevention Stop School Violence Initiative, which is an amazing grant, is gonna have 300, or 135 million. Violence Prevention, there is a new Community Violence Prevention Initiative. This is brand new money. I am so excited about this money because I worked for a long time in this space. This is going to be money that we need to figure out. Is this for communities? Is this for nonprofits? Is this going to be for um, our local governmental organizations? How are we gonna be preventing community violence? And we have, 300 million new dollars that are going to be coming out for this purpose. So it's really, really exciting. Domestic Violence, um, Family Violence and Prevention Services Act, I said that's at ACF. This is going to see a $200 million um, budget with a $17.5 million increase. Health is three slides long, so stick with me here. There's a lot of health funding going on, but it doesn't all um, come from the same organization. So I'm going to go through each of these line items and tell you where this money's at. In public health, in CDC, we're going to see a big investment that's related to COVID-19. So COVID taught us a bunch of things. It taught us that our infrastructure was not adequate. Our data and um, analytics were not adequate. It taught us that we were not prepared for a um, public health crisis. So that is where CDC is going to be investing. And also, because the pandemic was a global health crisis, we are also going to be investing in global health. So our public health infrastructure will have $200 million of new money. Our uh, modernizing our data system is going to see an increase of about $50 million, which is probably not enough to do what we need to do. But public health emergencies and having funding for public health emergencies is going to have a $20 million increase. And like I said, global health will have um, more money, $54 million of an increase. Mental health, there's a huge investment by President Biden in mental health. That was one of his priorities in the State of the Union. So our mental health block grant, which is the grant that goes directly to the states to provide mental health supports for communities, that is going to have a $288 million increase, which is huge. Project AWARE is my baby. It's the program that I created when I was at SAMHSA after Sandy Hook. And it is for mental health in schools. It is a state and three local education agencies or school districts. And they come together to provide an amazing amount of supports for our youth and children in schools and to make sure that their mental health and their development is actually going to have them uh, yield a healthy lifestyle and a healthy lifetime and really give them the supports that they need in schools. So. Project AWARE, awesome program, $13 million, which will get us about three more grants to three more states than we already had funding for before. The National Child Traumatic Stress Network, they do an amazing amount of work around child trauma, understanding child trauma. There's tons of resources on their website, and they are going to see a $10 million increase, which is very cool for their network. We also have some new money, $10 million, that is going to help us with mental health crisis response and partnerships. Um, this is to help create additional behavioral health crisis teams at the local level. 
And that will be really wonderful also on the other side of that violence prevention and intervention strategy as well, because sometimes we know that this ends up resulting in police and other people responding to mental health crisis rather than behavioral health providers. So this is going to kind of fix that issue or help fix that issue. We also see investment in substance use treatment and prevention. So uh, substance use treatment, the cool place that I really wanted to highlight was that there's going to be money, $2 million extra dollars for pregnant and postpartum and women. And then also in the strategic prevention framework, which is a grant that helps people to understand how to do prevention at the state and local level. And that is $8 million of new money. School-based health centers is where we try to make sure that children have access to healthcare services within the school setting. And that is going to see a $25 million increase. The maternal and child health block grant is going to see a $35 million increase. Healthy Start is going to see a $4 million increase. That's for early childhood health. And then senior services on the other side of the age spectrum, we see senior nutrition being a priority with 15 million more dollars at the administration for community services. So this is part of our health agenda as well related to COVID, where we need to understand how to respond to public health crisis. We're also going to see some more money to help us with the national stockpile, which a lot of us didn't even know about before we needed a bunch of N95 masks, and also research so we better understand what is going on with public health. So that is how we are going to be investing a lot of our money for health services. So $148 million for the research, $140 million for a national stockpile. Hopefully that will help us then uh, not only replenish what we depleted, but going forward, have enough to make sure that if there are any further crisis, we are able to take care of them. Then we also see investment in opioids. The next couple of them are around veterans, and these are going to be from the VA. So there's opioid abuse prevention grant of $149 million of extra money, gender-specific care for women. And we know that in the veterans and the enlisted um, women have very few, if not enough supports. They don't have enough supports. So there is $111 million more million for this. And I think that's a really cool investment. Then also, of course, we know that a lot of veterans have mental health challenges, and so being able to provide additional mental health care for veterans is very important, something I am very passionate about. We'll see $2.9 million more for veterans in mental health. Housing. Continuing with the housing piece, this is not at the VA, this is actually at HUD. HUD will have, um, the Housing and Urban Development, HUD will have additional money for homeless assistance for veterans, $149 million. We'll also see some more investment in re revitalizing low-income housing through the Choice Neighborhoods Initiative, $150 million. We'll see housing assistance for low-income families and survivors of domestic violence, tenant, which is tenant-based rental assistance. That's going to be 27 $4 billion. And then we'll also get an investment in uh, housing opportunities for persons with AIDS or HIV, and that will see $20 million more. Having uh, the community development block grant is something that is used in a lot of uh, local uh, towns, communities, states to do infrastructure and other things that they need to do. It's a really flexible and very, very important grant, and that is going to have $3.3 billion available from HUD. And then, of course, fair housing and equal opportunity, again, getting back to that equity lens, we're going to see $12, point, uh, $12 million of an increased investment in fair housing. Labor. 
This is also another cool place that I like to look for um, new funding because it's really important that we start making sure that people are workforce ready, that they have the appropriate supports, they have the appropriate educational opportunities. So one of the programs that is going to get a decent investment, $99 million, is Youth Build. And Youth Build is a program that helps build job skills, leadership, and education. So it's a very cool program. Check it out and excited that they're going to be put investing more money in that space. Also very cool is an investment in supporting migrant and seasonal farm workers, 95.3 million, and that will help with employment and training services. So this is um, something also, again, as a Latino American, I'm very passionate about as well. Dislocated workers, we know that COVID affected a lot of people in the workplace, so you see dislocated worker supports with $300 million, but they're actually putting a reserve on it, so the $200 million will not actually be available until a very prescriptive time later in the, in the process. So about $100 million will be available up front, and then there'll be a reserve of $200 million. And community college supports. Here is we'll see career education, training, and other supports for community college students at an investment of about $50 million. Other interesting things. There are so many interesting things in these budget documents. I know a lot of people don't like to like go through these thousands of pages. So for me, I always think it's cool when I go through them and I find these little other things that are um, interesting to me to share with you because you might actually be passionate about one of these issues. So food and nutrition, the Women, Infants, and Children Program, or WIC, that is going to be a $6 billion program with an $84 million increase specifically for fruits and veggies. And oh, there's a fruit typo, sorry about that. Fruits and veggies, and we will see that money going and in investing in supporting our families, our low-income families. So that is really, really important money to make sure that we are getting the health access and nutrition piece connected to our um, supports for low-income families. So very, very important work. Drug courts and mental health courts are also something that I'm very passionate about because I've actually sat through them before. This is where we help people who have mental health challenges or substance abuse issues, substance use issues, to navigate the justice system with supports. And so that's what these, these drug court and mental health court dockets do. We'll see 88 million for drug courts, 40 million for mental health courts. Then we also have interesting funding about hate crimes prevention, which I also think is really important as we know more and more hate crimes are taking place, especially even now around Asian Americans. So it's important for us to invest in this space and help end this, this particular really awful practice. So education, outreach, training, and this is all about investigating and prosecuting the hate crimes. And this is at DOJ for $13 million. Then the last one is the one that I also like. It's the youth mentoring grants from Department of Justice. This is not necessarily just around their violence prevention, but it's really around youth delinquency prevention. It's $102 million. There's, in addition to all of these budget issues that come up with our priorities, there's also priority policy shifts. And I wanted to bring a few of these priority policy shifts to you because I think that they're really important for us to understand. Increasing the federal share of cost for response and recovery from disasters is FEMA policy. And we're going to be changing that from a reimbursement of 75% of it being reimbursed from the federal government to 90%. So how that works is local governments pay up front for a disaster. Say you have a flood, a fire, or whatever that's really, really big in the locality you live in. 
local government can choose to pay for all of that up front and they'll receive a reimbursement from FEMA. Before that reimbursement was a 75-25, which meant that 75% of it was qualified to be reimbursed with federal funding, 25% of it had to come from the local reserves of funding. Now what we're seeing, particularly probably due to COVID, that 90% of that cost will be eligible for reimbursement from FEMA. So this is a big policy shift. It should help the localities manage the costs of and the burdens of the natural disasters and man, or disasters like public health emergencies that we have as a nation. There's also a couple of things that are not going to receive funding, and this is equally as important as the things that will receive funding. So no funding for additional immigrant enforcement personnel, no additional funding for immigrant hearing facilities for the Remain in Mexico program, which I personally am not a fan of, and 2.5 million for designs and plans of the and oversight of civil detention facilities, which as we know with all of the news and things that were happening around these detention facilities and the chaos and the um, lack of care and lack of oversight and harm that was happening to people in these facilities, this is a really awesome 2.5 million investment. But these three together demonstrate the policy shift from one administration to another in the area of immigration. Last but not least, because we know of the current political climate and the crisis that we're in with Russia, we have four point, or sorry, 452 million going to the um, Countering Weapons and Mass Destruction Office. I don't really know what they do, but I thought this was interesting to pull out because it is one, a big amount of money, and two, phrasing that we probably haven't heard in a while. So good to know that there's still investment going there. Very curious what it is they're doing. All right. Bottom line, focus on funding and equity. This budget has a huge focus on equity. So if you are someone like me who is an equity warrior and you work in these spaces in labor, education, housing, justice, any of this, equity is super important in our practices and how we serve people and how we actually make sure that people get the things they need. Now, equity also is the basis of this budget. So if you are working in one of these spaces and equity is your jam, more than likely you're gonna wanna watch all of this money coming out from the federal government. Be prepared, this is a discretionary funding season, yay! Which means that there are a lot of grants out. Go to grants.gov. I have a free course that I offer, it's called Navigating Grants.gov. And if you are interested, you can use that as a vehicle to understand if you qualify for this federal funding. I walk you through how to look at your eligibility, how to do a search, and how to make sure that you're matching the correct federal opportunity to what it is that you want to do. And increases in funding likely means that there will be new programs or new awards. So new programs and new awards only happen when we can get more money or we're not using all the money we already had. So here is the cool thing about all those pluses that were on my slides. That means that there likely will be new awards and new money available because it's above and beyond what we were already spending last year. So that is new money that you can access. Now, how you access it, totally different issue. So where do we go from here? This is the allocation. As I said before, these are the subtotals. This is not the amount that is appropriated for these different programs. Under each of these subtotals, there are several other programs likely that exist or ways that the government gives this money out. When they give this money out, it looks different. There are different amounts and there are requirements that go along with each of these. So what you look for next from here is the actual budget 
for these programs and that is available publicly. This is just the um, appropriation for those different line items that are in the federal budget, but it doesn't mean that we know exactly how each of these agencies is going to spend this money or get this money out. So for example, even in some of our project aware type grants, not all of that money has to go directly to grants. It could go to technical assistance, it could go to evaluation, it can go to other things. So not all of this money will come directly out in a way that we can receive as discretionary block grant funding. So always important to know that because we know that these totals look really big. As it gets whittled down and goes into the different places, we don't always see that entire amount come back out to us. That's because it gets used in different ways as it comes out. And that means that in that process between the Office of Management and Budget and the agencies, they have to agree on how they're spending the money. And that is why it's important to know what are the priorities of the administration? What are the priorities of the political appointees who are over these agencies? And how do we continue to watch their websites to make sure that we know when this federal funding is coming out? And there you have it, my explanation of what is going on with the federal budget right now. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's definitely different from our clubhouse rooms, but we'll be back with our regular clubhouse-based conversations with Rodrigo and I very, very soon. Have a wonderful day, y'all.